What's up, everybody? Welcome to Blue Collar Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cleaves, and today I'm here with Timothy, or Tim rather, and he is the owner of Chippewa Valley Leatherworks. Tim, thanks for uh, having us over here today. Uh, just before we uh, started, and actually David's behind the scenes just smashing this big old cinnamon roll that Tim got for us. And uh, now i got to work extra hard on my workout tomorrow to wear this thing off. But uh, greatly appreciate it. That thing was amazing. Where would you yeah. get that at? Uh, Connie's Cafe right down the road here in Osnick. All right. Shout out to Connie's, Ca- Connie's Cafe. It, that was the really damn good. <laughs> so thank you. <clears throat> so, Tim, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, where, where you came from and how you got started into this Leatherworks deal. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... Um, I'm in my 40s. I'm in my mid to late 40s, and uh, we didn't really come upon this. Well, I've been doing it for a while, but uh, the business has been around for a little over three years. Um, I work with my wife and two other employees, uh, Jess and Tammy, uh, that work with the company. But um, so I was a Marine for 22 years. Uh, I did that, and um, you know, I, I had lots of hobbies. I've always been handy. With, I, I've always worked with my hands. I like to create. I like to, um, somewhat of an artist background. Um, and I, I like to see if I can replicate things that I see that are well made. Um, I was a woodworker and I, I kind of caught wind of leatherworking. There was a few things that I was like, man, that'd be awesome to own. And then I looked at the price tag and I was like, wow. So I, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to do this myself. Um, Started as a hobby um, at the kitchen table, just buying tools, kind of building my tools and uh, skills. And I started having friends, hey, can you make me this? Can you do this? Uh, gifts. Um, and it just was a hobby for probably about eight years while I was serving in the Marines. And it was something I could keep my hands busy and stress relief and uh, do that kind of thing. And one thing led into another, and we moved back home here to northern Michigan, and um, my wife decided to join the company, and which was awesome, and uh, she brought a whole other level of skills with sewing and, and with an industrial sewing, leather sewing machine, but um, we said, well, the heck with it. Let's just launch a business for leather goods here in northern Michigan and um, make them done right by hand, um, so we're just... Um, we're just out here trying to build a, a reputable company, handmade leather goods, and uh, trying to. Well, right now, we we call ourselves Alpina's Little Leather Shop, but uh, we'd like to become Michigan's Little Leather Shop. That's the goal. So you got to shoot for the stars, dude. So that's awesome. I like to hear that. The um, all the stuff that you make here is it's amazing, man. You, you, so Tim walked us through his shop here prior to to the podcast and um, <clears throat> showed us around, and man, I was pretty floored. I mean, we we're I, you know, I had heard you had started in your, your home and, you know, you're expanding a little bit. So I wasn't expecting what you have going on here. And um, it's uh, it's really cool. I mean, the, the stuff that you make is it, it's really professional looking. So it kind of floors me. I mean, you said you tinkered around with it for a couple, eight years. So you're you self-taught for the most part, correct? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, of course, that's the wonderful thing about YouTube today, too. You know, uh, sometimes yeah. you can get content and material there. But um yeah, I uh, read. I have a lot of books. I, I collect a lot of resource materials. So uh, I happen to come across books from the 50s, 60s, 70s that are like hand-drawn leather goods um, because the craft's been around for a long time. But uh, yeah, I would just read. I would just kind of tinker and trial and error and, and learn how to make these things. So, so then um, 
where did you where did you learn to like outsource to get your leather you know where to go to get your leather and what kind of leather to use and is there a certain kind of leather that you prefer to use or need to use yeah so um there's there's a lot of leather workers out there in the country and you'll see they have niches and they work with different types of leathers um and this is where I think kind of the blue collar um, roots come is is we can work with some super super expensive hides, um, nice hides like Horween out of Chicago, um, but that's just going to drive up your product prices as well. So um, we do source our leathers from from the U.S. Um, we use a lot of Herman Oak out of St. Louis, um, and there are a few other tanneries that we try to focus on, but. What I like the most is what we call vegetable tanned um, leather, which looks undyed in its state. Sometimes it looks a lot even lighter than this knife sheath right here. But um, vegetable tanned leather means it's it's tanned with tree barks, tree bark, and it's a longer process to wear with an oil tanned leather like like a lot of the colored stuff you see out there. Mm-hmm. It looks the black, oily. Like it looks waxy or, or whatever. Um, or you see some of the hides. We work with some oil tanned leathers there. Um, they are enriched with waxes and oils, and um, the way it's tanned is sometimes chemically tanned. Um, but vegetable tanned oil is more workable. You can tool it. You can stamp into it. And I think the biggest thing that I like about it is is the patina and the character it gets. So it's undyed. You can dye this, whatever color. So if you came to me and said, hey, I want a red you know, sheath made out of this leather, I'd dye it red, no, no issue. But I like to keep it in a natural state and let normal wear and oils and tanning from the sun happen. And it just looks, it looks amazing. Yeah, it's um, got that old school look to it. Yeah, after six, kind of like a saddle. If you've seen saddles, they're made out of vegetable tan um, leather. So, so yeah. do you do any work on any saddle wear? Yeah, actually, uh, I just did some reconditioning on a saddle a few days ago, brought it in here and had to fix it. I fixed a horn um, on a saddle a few months ago. Um, so we do we do some repairs, um, usually if it's hand repairs. Uh, we don't want to get into kind of reconstructing saddles necessarily, but we do some saddle work, saddle and tack. Yeah. So is there pretty much, is there anything that you don't do here as far as leather works go? Um, well, it's funny you ask that because we get it asked sometimes weekly in our I'm store sure downtown do. is... is do we make shoes? Um, no, we don't make shoes. Uh, we can do some upper boot repairs if we can get in on it and patch things like that, but uh, sole work and stuff. But that's probably one of the number one questions that we get asked. And once again, in the leather field, in the leather industry, that's its own niche. Um, people have to have certain type of equipment to do sole work and some of those stuff down in boots and, and things like that. So yeah, that, I would say that's the one thing, or we don't really, um, we don't make garments. You know, I've had some people ask if we make leather coats and things. We don't do that. Yeah. Okay. Well now getting into the, we're switching gears in the garment thing here. So <laughs> noticing that when we come in, there's a bunch of garments hanging around and we're in a leather shop. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? You got something else going on the side here in this leather shop. Yeah, um, you know, like I, I told you earlier, um, the leather goods takes about, you know, 90% of our, our efforts in here on a daily basis. But uh, I also have another passion of mine that I've been in the uh, vintage clothing and garment industry for about 15 years, um, mostly as a, a collector, as a wearer. Uh, I love putting on an old 60s baseball cap or, you know, a pair of Levi's from the 50s or 60s if I can get my hands on them and they're they're still wearable. But uh, yeah, so I love vintage clothing. Um, 
I started collecting more and more. I, I do sell upon private buyers that maybe come in. I, I basically curate uh, vintage workwear, um, old Carhartt stuff, um, and the older the better, you know. And you know, I wear a Carhartt jacket from the the 1930s, a chore coat, and it's funny. I'll go down to the flagship store in in Detroit wearing this jacket, and um, and they're drooling over over you know some of the clothing I'm wearing, yeah, yeah. the garments down there. You know, and they take me upstairs to their their workshop in the museum, and and my jacket's better than what they got behind glass. But, um, you know, so I appreciate that stuff. I love it. Um, we work on it here on occasion, um, and like I said, I, I deal with private buyers that come in and and want to look at what I have in the collection and. Uh, my basement's full of it. I didn't show you that, but maybe we'll venture down there, but it's a little scary. It's it's a classic Michigan basement. So Perfect. I'd like to see it. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, I buy out of states and I can older stuff and uh, just work on it. Patch, mend, kind of like what uh, the farmers used to do out here for years. You know, grandma used to grab the overalls and patch them. You know, that's what we do um, to keep that stuff alive and that old union made, USA made stuff. Yeah, and you put your uh, you put your twist on it though when you do some of the patching and stuff like that. You uh, what was this uh, shirt over there? You had like a Japanese style. Yeah, um, patch. it's called Sashiko. Um, it's it's basically it's kind of a patchwork type of thing, but it's it's called visible mending. Um, some mending people want it to match. They don't want their jeans showing this big correction made in it. And uh, visible mending is like yeah, go to I want it to be a piece of art. You know, I want it to. I want that patch to be men, um, to be visible. I want people to see it, and it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a scar showing off. Like, yeah, look mm-hmm. at these are old. Like they're all patched up. But um, that one, that that um, big, or I think it's a Big Mac uh, chambray shirt from the fifties. There, yeah, that's got a sashiko Japanese mending process on it, and that was done. Shout out to Tammy, my employee. Um, she did that work there on that, and she does a lot of that kind of freelance work too. So, but we like to incorporate. Um, vintage clothing into our our um, products as well you know like i'll take old levi patches sewn them on the front of a wallet we make uh flags made out of old levi denim i don't have it here but it's hanging up in our shop so we strip out denim jeans and use leather stars and we make a, a flag that we sell to customers and it's got the 13 star leather star on it which is uh kind of like the betsy roster behind us um, yeah we incorporate a lot of that into our blue collar stuff too as well yeah, I mean, anywhere we can incorporate, you know, USA, America, you know, like we do it. So, yeah, love it. So, why don't we just tell everybody where where is your shop located at? Uh, we're downtown Alpena on Second Avenue, two ten Second Avenue. We're right next to the old State Theater. So, usually that's the landmark people know about, or the old antique mall, John Henry's. We're, we're right across the street from where that used to be. So right down by the river. So, so what kind of space do you have? It's a pretty decent sized shop. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know the square footage, but I, I would say it's uh, typical of a, a downtown shop square footage area. We're, we're right in between a, a salon and the state theater, and we got a lot of product down there, a lot of, a lot of goods. So, Yeah, you got a bit of product in here, just stuff that you were showing us um, laid out. So, um, But... In the store, you don't only just sell your own products. I think you, you might have covered this a little bit, but you do custom work as well on other people's products. So, like, even even clothing. A little bit. Um, we try not to get too much into the clothing and the shoes, but, like, um, 
bags. You know, somebody brings down grandpa's old leather flight bag from when he was in the military or, you know, something that we feel we can, we can do some work on. Um, we used to do a lot more of that when we first opened, but now with, with the production and where we're trying to go with things, we don't do as much, but yes, we, we are, we're always happy to take a look at something and let people know, um, and, and give them a timeline of what it's going to take. But if we can keep a quality made leather good alive, like we're all about looking into that. So also, I'm, I'm sure if somebody out there had something to get rid of or something they don't want anymore that is old school quality like that, and they just don't have any use for it anymore, you'd probably be happy to take a look at that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yep. We, we do buy stuff like that. So, you know, customers sometimes come in with a handful of st- stuff and, you know, I joke around with them. I always tell them, hey, don't throw away grandpa's old stuff. Bring, bring it to me. I'll, I'll, I'll give you cash for that stuff. Yeah, yeah, so. That's cool. That's good. It's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it's, it's sad. A lot of that stuff probably does get tossed and, and yeah. uh, nobody knows that somebody's interested in it yep um so where did you find your passion for this stuff i mean you're pretty passionate about it you i I can tell by just talking to you and and look (laughs) at your face when you're showing us all this stuff so when did you pick up your passion for this were you in the military when you were like thinking about this stuff or yeah you know it it, uh, i'm a very um nostalgic person i'm a very um passionate person when it comes to well-made stuff um you know, I saw the writing on the wall probably about 10 years ago of this resurgence in the country of coming back to Made in America. And um, I was already on board with that, but I, I'm kind of a throwback. I feel like I was born uh, way too late. Um, I look at stuff from the turn of the century up to the 50s and 60s, and it was so much better made. Um, simple things like you go into an antique store and you see a box of screws and you look at the box and the pride that was put into the labels on the boxes. And now you go into a big box place. I won't mention them, but you go into a big box place and there's no pride in the, in the stuff anymore. We know where it's made. It's not made here, but I think that there's a growing wave of entrepreneurs, of builders, artisans, craftspeople that are digging their way back. And I quite honestly, I think most Americans are sick of the crap that they, they've seen over the last few decades, and they're, they're, they want to come back to that stuff that's made, you know, by American hands right here, made well, and people that back it. You know, um, we laugh sometimes because we get a lot of... We get a lot of women bringing the purses into us from other makers, and we're, you know, and I'm thinking, like, you're not going to do that with that maker, you know? They're not going to take that back and repair it. We, we will, and we, we 100% back anything we make. Uh, you know, you bring, by any means, bring it back to us. We'll repair it. But, yeah, um, I just like well-made stuff, and uh, I like the older stuff. And I restore tools that are older. Some of my leatherworking tools are 50, 60, 70 years old, you know, and they work better than most of the stuff out there. So, yeah, I, I guess I just well, like, like old school you, yeah, stuff. Yeah, like you said, there's a, then there's a lot of pride and everything was mostly done by hand. It wasn't this high production facility stuff, just pump it out and get paid for it. You know, people, yeah. people cared about what they did you yep. know, back then. And it was a slower process too. So um, <clears throat> just looking at all your stuff in here, you can tell it's, it's the same way. Like uh, that, uh, that wallet over there, you know, those ones you're making them out, out of old baseball gloves. Yeah. And it's got like uh, the one had, you could see the guys where his hand was all the time in his baseball glove in the leather, like it was marked in the leather. Those things are rad as shit, man. That's just uh, to to think about 
doing that alone, you know, to have that kind of creativeness is pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, and, and it kind of, I'm a, I'm a baseball junkie. I'm a hardcore baseball junkie. I love anything old school baseball and, you know, and there's something about whether you're a leather goods person, when you pick up an old leather mitt, you know, like it's just well-worn, it feels good on the hand, you know, and a lot of people are like, yeah, look at this bait. And to me, it was like the light bulb clicked on. I was like, I'm going to start taking these apart and making something. And the cool thing is, is um, what it's turned into is, is um, I have a lot of families come in and they'll bring in grandpa's old baseball glove that he wore in the fifties and grandpa's passed on. And they've got this old mitt just laying around in a closet and uh, I'll take it and I'll build a bunch of products out of it for the family. Like uh, mm-hmm. last year I did one for Christmas. You know, I, I was able to make earrings for the women, a couple of wallets out of it. And now instead of an old glove collecting dust somewhere, getting in the way, they're carrying something that grandpa's and they can remember it and they're carrying and they're holding it every day. Which you is know, pretty sweet. It. it puts a whole new twist on things. You see, like, I see teddy bears and stuff made out of grandpa's old shirt yeah. or, or whatever. So that's kind of the, it's the same difference. Yep. But like you said, something you can just carry around daily. Yep. You know, so you could get a knife sheath made, wallet, just whatever. Yeah. Yep. I've done journals, mostly wallets out of the baseball stuff, but um, I've done some journals, I think, out of baseball leather. But uh, yeah, it's because not every product is going to be susceptible to certain types of leathers, you know, so we have consultations with customers sometimes and have to kind of veer them one way or another on, on leather and the hide that they use. But yeah. it's pretty cool. You can bring that stuff back to life, you know, and it just, it puts a whole new meaning on things. So that's, that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> so when you consultate, when you have consultations with your customers, everybody seemed to, to see it your way for the most part. I mean, did anybody get angry if you tell them you can't do certain things with what they have, or do you ever have any problems like that? No, not really. Uh, I think most of the time they realize like we're kind of the experts in this area. Um, we're not going to steer them wrong. Um, I, to be honest, I don't think I've ever had any kind of issue with things. Um, I've done, and I've done some pretty, pretty odd requests. I had a, a gentleman about a year and a half ago bring in his dad's old World War II um, fighter pilot jacket the old school one with the wool shearing oh, inside no way, dude. and um, he had the, the um, overalls that you wear underneath the jacket and everything. And the cool thing is, is we were able to make some products from that and it was, it was amazing, you know, and at first he didn't think it was possible. So we've been able to do some things that, you know, they take time, you know, taking things apart and rebuilding them. And, uh, but if people are willing to, to invest in something like that, it's it's something unique, and that's that. That's the thing is, is these baseball glove wallets. They're everyone is unique. Everyone is different, and um, that's that's what's cool about that. Yeah, you're not you're not carrying around the same thing. Two thousand, three thousand other people have in the same town. You know, it's, right. it's all different. <clears throat> um, so, when you found your passion, I mean, what what made you say, yeah, you know what, I want to make stuff out of leather. Like you, you said you've done some building before, some carpentry. Yeah. What, what was it about leather that just set you off? Um, one thing about leather that it worked, and here's where my, my you know, serving in the military was, is I did a lot of traveling, and I can't take a table saw with me. I can't take, you know, a plane with me and, and work on woodworking projects. But with leather, I could take a tool bag, you know, like that tool bag sitting there, and I could fill it with tools and some leather uh, goods, small leather goods, and I could work when I was on the road um, because predominantly what I deal with here is a lot of hand stitching with a saddle stitch. 
Uh, so that was easy for me to, to take and work on projects for family members or customers or whatever. And uh, so it was, it was convenient and I could bring it all in one bag and, uh, and get things done on my downtime whenever I was traveling. So you were doing this in the military then? Yeah. Yep. Um, I was doing it when I had time, you know, and I was away from my family, you know, and keep my hands busy and, you know, I, I had leather working there. So I just started mastering my craft and, you know, and I don't think at first it wasn't like, you know, Hey, I'm going to make a business out of this. It was just something that I enjoyed doing. It was a hobby. And, um, and then once I started seeing, people asking more and more. And once I started gaining more confidence in what I was making, because man, you don't want to see the first couple of wallets I made. If I brought those out, you'd <laughs> think like that was a kindergarten leatherworking class or something, but you know, you, you grow and it's like anything, you know, the more you do it and the more you do it in trial and error, you get better. So yeah. yeah. yeah it's just, if you can, if you can endure those, those costs for the most part, yeah. it's not like starting out that small, there wasn't really a lot of cost into it. Oh no. Yeah. Nope. You, you kind of, I remember having just a couple of hides and now we do orders and, you know, 10 hides come in and yeah, but it's on a different scale. So yeah. Right. right. So do you have a, what you would call like a niche or is there something you like just love to work on something that's your favorite thing to do? Yeah. You know, I really enjoy doing baseball leather items. Um, the older the mitt, the better, as long as it's the leather is still pliable and workable. Um, I like working on sheaths as well. A lot of knife sheaths, custom knife sheaths. So, um, yeah, I, you know, and I, I enjoy working with all of it. But, yeah, if I was to say my favorite stuff, I really enjoy taking an old mitt and trying to get creative with the canvas that it gives me and figuring out a way to construct items from that. Because on a, on a fresh hide, I can roll out and pretty much cut out wherever I want. With a baseball glove, it's different. You have to take it apart. You have to lay, look at it. You have to lay, lay it out and figure out the best pieces to use to make an item. So, and that's where the creativity comes out. Gives you a hell of a challenge. Yeah, exactly. It's yep. not just cut and dry. Yep. Gotcha. So that that what did you call that? Your uh, saddle pony or uh, what, the, what? yeah, the stitching pony. Stitching pony. Okay. Yeah. 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 So. We got a little bit of footage. I think David got some footage of you on there, and we, we may include that in our podcast here because that was pretty. That was pretty sweet. I like watching that. But when it comes to stitching leather by hand, I mean, is it is it pretty tough to do? I mean, leather's tough. Yeah. Yep. So like to stitch through that stuff, what what's that like? I mean, you you get like arthritis in your hands or anything <laughs> like that, or does it really make your hands sore? Or? Um, sometimes yes, but so um, just to give you, I'll give you a little trade secret. You're not, when you're stitching something on that stitching pony, the holes are already pre-done. Okay. So I'm not punching a sharp needle through it. Now, the old, old school of how it was done, a guy or a gal would have a, an awl in, in their hand and the needles. And he would punch the hole with the awl and then run those needles through both ways. Now, predominantly, I would say 99% of the leather workers out there, they'll sit down that piece on their bench and they'll make their guideline of where that stitch line is going to be and then they take things that look like little miniature forks and they punch their holes throughout the item and then they bring it over to the stitching pony so you have some holes there and then you're just you're bringing the thread through it now you still have to set that stitch into the groove um, so it's not raised up you know little mm -hmm. little things there so it's not coming loose you know or anything but yeah, so it's it's not 
it's not that hard as far as getting it through the leather. It, you punch holes at a time. So is it like typical thread, or is there a special thread you have to use? No, it's a it's a waxed th- uh, thread. So I, I buy it on a roll from a company out of Maine and uh, give them a little plug. Maine Thread Company. It's USA made out of uh, out of Maine, and they make thread, and they've been making threads. Uh, I want to say probably eighty years out there, and that's another. I, I try to buy American whenever I can on, in any product, so and to use in our products. So, yeah, it's it's a waxed thread, um, poly thread, or even cotton thread. Sometimes you can use, but um, predominantly in the industry, it's it's a poly thread because you want it to hold. So okay, yeah. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> your customer base um, is it just kind of like random customer base, or do you have like a lot of uh, farmers or is there like a certain customer base that you you yeah. that you see all the time or just that's a good question um it's funny being here where we're at in our workshop is 10 miles uh, south of uh alpina and i sneak um we do get the farmers out here we get guys or gals bringing us a lot of saddle work a lot of uh country mm-hmm. stuff um we, we still see that on occasion in alpina too but uh in alpina i would say it's all it's a little bit all over the place but we do sell to um, a lot of women. Our bags are very popular. Our totes are probably one of our top sellers. Um, we sell three different sizes of a tote bag. So um, we get a lot of customers that like our bags and come in for multiple ones. Um, and then, yeah, we get uh, Christmas. I mean, here in the next month, we really ramp up for the Christmas season, and that's where we do a lot of business. Um, but that's where the wallets and the knife sheaths and all that kind of stuff come into play or custom work. Yeah. Do you do like, uh, do you do the old uh, black Friday stuff or do you do any custom, do you do any deals like for Christmas time or any, any time? Yeah, we, we run a couple of sales um, throughout the year. Um, but yeah, I think we do a black Friday. We've done a black Friday the last few years. Um, but we're being a company that not only, has a retail space, but we're also manufacturing everything. Um, to be honest, sometimes it's hard to do that because we're we're doing what we can with the manpower we have to get this, the shelves stocked. It's kind of like, I would put it this way, Ford doesn't put the Mustang on sale very often and Chevy doesn't put the Corvette on sale very often. So right. um, not that I'm trying to compare us to Mustangs and Corvettes, but, you know, being a handmade leather good company um, – yeah, it's sometimes it's it's hard to do that, but we do, we do, we do run sales. Cool. Yep. Um, had did you have anybody prior to starting your business? Did you have anybody kind of any naysayers? Anybody like second guessing you or saying, "Tim, what are you doing, dude? Are you serious? <laughs> You're gonna start making leather products and Alpina?" Yeah. Asinique? You know, and, and I think it was harmless. I don't think it was like, you need to really think about this and then you're going the wrong direction. But, um, you know, th- there was some family members that were kind of like, are you sure? You know, and, and I said, you know what, you know, if we build it, they'll come, you know, they'll feel the dreams. But, yeah. um, but you know, um, you know, if you believe in it and you work hard at it and you put a good product out there, People are going to appreciate that. And that's what we saw was being in, in Little Alpena in northern Michigan. We get a lot of customers from down in Detroit and St. Clair Shores and Grand Rapids, and they're shocked. And I think our customer base was shocked here in the immediate area, being able to come into a place like ours and get a handmade leather good item 
made by the people that you're seeing in the store and at the um at the level of what we were doing i think people loved it and and but yeah um there's always going to be people like that you know they're going to question what you're doing and and you know what you got to take risks and that's what business is about is, is taking calculated risks and being passionate about it and and just doing it you know i'd rather do something and fall on my face than to just sit and go well i I may maybe could have done that 20 years ago, you know, like the world's got enough of that, you know, right, right, I need to right. make stuff happen. So, yeah, dude, that's, that's good stuff. Cause they're, like you said, they are always out there, but I, I feel like, uh, just custom stuff is so sought after, you know, like you said, it's something, all your, all your wallets are totally different. There's not two the same. So just the fact that, you know, just to know that you have that original and only, it's just, uh, it's, it's pretty sweet. A lot of people really, really dig that, I think. So yeah. I think it's pretty easy to get away with a lot of the, the custom work. And then when you start putting your passion and pride into it, like you said, it's, it's yeah. hard to stop that. So I'm, I'm glad you kept going on and doing it. So how, how long has it been? You probably mentioned that, but how many uh, years have you been see. in business? Well, well, the business here in Alpena has been for three years. Um, we've been working with Leather Goods since 2000. 12, 13, somewhere in there. So, you know, 10 years. So every year you feel like you're gaining quite a bit of traction? Yeah, I, I, I do. I think um, we're, we're starting to venture out into um, other markets in the state. Um, and we just continue to refine our product, um, our product line and what we can do. And, and we're still learning on some things. You know, we, we started getting into backpacks and sling bag stuff this summer, you know, cause we had customers just begging us to make certain products and, but that takes time, you know, to figure out a pattern for it and to master that. And, you know, we don't want to put something out there, you know, uh, premature and not have it ready, you know? So, um, yeah, we, we feel good going forward. Yeah. So how do you manage your, uh, I'm going to call it production, your production items that you would put out compared to your customers that walk in and it needs something repaired. Do you pretty much kind of drop your production for the no. repairs or do you continue production when that's done, then you get on the repairs? So we, um, we have a pretty decent system in place. Um, we have a calendar, we have a sign in our store showing where we're at with custom orders and how long it's take, it's going to take roughly. And that's kind of a ballpark. Um, but I would say in three years of business, we have very rarely been behind on getting a custom order to a, a person. I will say right now, coming from the summer into the fall and in, in the the holiday season, we've kind of shut off the faucet on a lot of custom orders just because we need to ramp up our production. So I, we're upfront with customers and we tell them, hey, if you really want this rifle scabbard, talk to me in January. Um, and a lot of times that's not an issue at all. Um, unless there's a timeline, even if there's a timeline and here's the wonderful thing about being a small independent business, we're willing to take a look at our, our production and see if we can squeeze in something, if it's important for a birthday or a holiday or, you know, an anniversary or you something have that like flexibility. that. Flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, we're not a big box store where we want to, we want to gain customers and gain followers and, and do what's right. So well, speaking of followers, do you have a website? We do Chippewa Valley leatherworks.com. Okay. Um, yep. Pictures of all the stuff that you do, and you have any pictures in, inside the store or anything like that? Yeah, I, I, you know what, man, 
I'm not sure if we have pictures of the store in there. We we may. <laughs> um, we're we're on social media as well, Facebook and uh, Instagram. Um, yeah, on Facebook, uh, Facebook it's Chippewa Valley Leather Works, and uh, on Instagram we actually have two. One we market towards our vintage garment, uh, and that's Chippewa Valley Mercantile, and then Chippewa Valley Leather Works on Instagram. So okay, yeah, cool. So people out there they can they can reach you and check out what you do. And you ever thought about uh, like running a YouTube channel and like doing uh, stuff on YouTube? You know, like doing tutorials and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, I have, um, and we're kind of looking at options of doing some stuff like that. We have held classes in here because we started getting a lot of people that were interested in it as well. So um, we will do classes in here, you know, six, eight people at a time, and we have enough tools to go around um, to do do that. How do you feel about that? Is that, like, do you feel pretty good? Do you have a good sense of pride, like, when you're able to teach somebody the... The things that you learned on your own for the most part? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, my wife and I, we're, we're both natural teachers. We, we enjoy doing that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, and sometimes you think in the back of your mind, do I want to teach people how to do what we do? Um, but to be honest, like, it's, it's we're not worried about that. Um, you know, we start with some entry-level things that, and I, I think most of the time our customers or those students, they realize Hey, this is going to take a lot of work. I'm not yeah. just going to set up a leather shop yeah, tomorrow yeah. and start start doing this. So, and and they see what we do in here and realize that it's it's a commitment. You it's, know? it's funny you mentioned that because I did a, a podcast and we forgot to tell them about Josh Kent, uh, Sunfrog out of Gaylord. Okay, and uh, big T-shirt company. Well, amongst other things, but he started out with basically nothing, you know, and then he's he's just astronomically out, <laughs> out of the atmosphere, just doing really good, right? So. Anyway, you know, and I was asking him in the podcast, I'm like, is there anything you don't want to talk about? He's like, no, I'll, I'll tell everybody everything I do and how I do it. And if they want to try it, good luck, because <laughs> it was the hardest shit ever, you know? Yeah. So I'm not too worried about people, you know, just stealing my business at this point. Right. So, you know, he said there's way more into it than what people really realize. So uh, it's pretty funny you say that. Yeah, yeah. We, we opened it up partly because I think people enjoy, like, doing – doing something or learning a new skill, you know, or just having fun and, and having experience. It's like going to the, you know, the casino or doing something else. You want to invest in doing something fun. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, That's pretty cool. Um, so what do you see like on, for the four seasons around here in Michigan, do you see any fall off in the spring or summer, or is there any certain time of year where you're, uh, doing better in the store than you, than others? Yeah, I, I would say by far the holiday season is our busiest season of the year. Um, we, from October through really January, our head is down and we're grinding. Um, the summer is also pretty busy. Being a northern Michigan town, you know, obviously tourism and, and that kind of stuff um, keeps us busy and, and people are just out and about and doing things. Um, and so being back here in Alpena for a few years, we, we – and being in retail, we quickly learned that like that spring, late winter, spring is probably a slower time. And, and that's okay for us because that's where we go to um, R&D time or research and development or looking at new patterns or looking at building inventory up. So we kind of realized that we're going to we're gonna kind of put our head down and work on um, building up inventory during that time frame. So, yeah, that, that late winter, early spring – 
is kind of a, a cycle we see here working in retail. It just kind of slows down a little bit. Uh, so what would you say out of everything you do, what would you say would be like the hardest? What's your hardest thing that you do here? I mean, as far as working on leather, is it the stitching or is it cutting out the patterns or laying it out or what, what's the toughest thing that, that you think hmm. you have to deal with when it comes to leather works? Um, the hardest thing to do. I think it's probably the hardest when somebody brings us something that one, we don't already have a pattern per se for, Mm -hmm. um, somebody will just bring in an odd item and say, I need a case for this, or I need to wrap this in leather, or I, you know, it's something in that area that it's truly, truly a custom made item because that's where you have to really sit down at the paperwork and sketch out something. So it goes from basically an idea to some rough measurements to creating a pattern to see if that pattern will work on paper or whatever material you use. And then sometimes it's unfortunately a trial and error of getting the right ounce and thickness of leather to see if it's going to work because just in theory, and that's the thing about leather working is, is in theory, things seem like they'll always work. But once you start picking out the hide and the leather and the measurements and stuff like that, that's probably the toughest thing is getting through that development of creating a brand new item. So then also on top of that, they bring in grandpa or grandma or mom or dads or brother or sisters, whoever may have passed away their article or their, their whatever they have. Yeah. And then you have to peel that apart probably on top of that. So you're already worried about that because it's very personal. Yep. And then design something around an object that they're showing you. That's that, that does have to be tough. Yeah. And there's sometimes it kind of goes back to that question you asked me of like, do we ever make people unhappy? There are quite a few times in that area in that realm where I got to say, no, we can't use that. That's not, that's not going to work for Mm -hmm. this. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's trying to create something. And then on top of that, it's, is it going to function correctly in the way that it needs to function? Um, and that's, I think, probably the thing that bothers me the most sometimes on a custom item is I don't know how this is going to work, you know, and I want to make sure it works because the one of the hallmarks behind handmade is this thing is going to be built to last, and I want something that your kids are going to fight off over when you're gone, right, you know? Right. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that stuff. Man, that would be tough to do. That'd be really intimidating. But as far as the physicality of it all, what what is the hardest part physically working with leather? The stitching, the the cutting, anything, uh, or is it just not hard at all? No, it, it, I, I don't. Honestly, there's nothing physically I think too demanding. Um, other than accuracy, you want to make sure you're cutting into a hide, you know, with straight edges or whatever you're doing and stitching can get hard. Like if I I've hand stitched full rifle scabbards before by hand and, um, and that, that is some work. And depending on how thick the leather is, like you take a 10, 12 ounce knife sheath. And even though you punch those holes, it's still challenging when you get 200 stitches in fingers get hurting. Yeah. You get sore. Do you you wear protective? Do you wear any kind of glove or, no, there there are some things on the market that old saddle makers used to make. It was it's basically like wrapped around the palm and you would push the needle through. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I just, 
callous just, hands. Just raw dog just, it, huh? Just raw dog it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice, dude. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's good stuff. So, Tim, what do you, uh, besides all your leather works and everything, what, is, what do you do for, for fun? What do you do beside this? Uh, do you have any other kind of yeah, yeah. Um, hobbies or what? Yeah, I, I like tinkering, again, with my hands. I like tinkering with lots of stuff. I just kind of restored an old 1960s uh, Schwinn bicycle. Um, I like old stuff. I have an old vehicle, an old Ford pickup. I yeah, have a, dude, you, you really <laughs> need to sell that thing. It looks like it's falling apart out there. Uh, I got a 19- <laughs> I'll, I'll buy it off you if you'd, if you'd like. Do your I favorite. got a 1970 Harley that I like to mess around with. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm a cross country coach for the high school, so I enjoy running and staying in shape and, you know, I have kids, I have six kids, so, and two grandkids, so they keep me busy, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, uh, I just, I just like living and keeping, keeping busy. Like I joke around and I think I had an old pastor tell me like, I want to, when I die, I want to go to the grave rusty and beat up. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, you just use and abuse. Like I just, I want to experience things and do things and just keep busy and, and, and just doing it. You and know? you're able to find the time to do that, you know, even though you have all this kind of stuff going on, <laughs> yeah. all your leather works, you do, you do have time to enjoy yourself and your family and your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I try to make use of as many hours of the day as I can, you know, so. Nice, man. Nice. Yeah. Was there anything else you'd like to tell everybody out there? No, I mean. Do? I'm just appreciative of Blue Collar coming out here. Um, like I told you earlier, you know, we were starting to reach out into some different markets, and I was like, we relate with what's going on over there, man. We're yeah. like two peas in the pod. So, like, we reached out to you guys, and you guys reached back, and, you know, made this happen. So I appreciate you guys coming out here and giving us some visibility and, and uh, what you guys are doing. And, um, yeah, I just love what you guys do, too, and what you put out there. Right on, man. Yeah, feelings mutual. So thank thank you so much for having us out here. And, uh, hey, that's the end of her. All right. Sounds good. All right. <laughs>